take your Bibles, if you would, and let's go to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. And uh, we'll be dealing with a very well-known story in the Bible. But one that very few people pay much attention to. And of course, we're, we're going to because we believe the Bible. Amen? Genesis chapter 6. Do we believe the Bible this morning? Okay, there are... Okay, I just check and see if you're awake. All right. And... All of my pictures disappeared this morning. There we go. Verse 1, it says, And it came to pass... When the men, when men begin to multiply on the face of the earth, and the daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. Verse Oh, there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. We're going to stop right there and pick up in just a few minutes. And many people have tried to make much of these first few verses here about the sons of God and the daughters of men and the giants and all of those things. And... uh, the simple truth of the matter is most of that stuff is not worth your reading. Um, We have one rule that that we try to abide by here. If my understanding of the Scripture is not going to help me live for God tomorrow, I'm not going to worry about that understanding. Now let me ask you a question. If there are two main ideas, one is the sons of God were the descendants of Seth, godly men, And the other was that they were angels. Now, how is that going to help you live for God when you know whether they're angels or men? Anybody? I've never had anybody answer that question because there really isn't any help there for you. Uh, What we do know, without delving into all of the uh, floatsome of human thought, is in verse 5 we have a summary and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his tent of his heart was only evil continually now how many of you can remember back when you used to, uh, well I don't think we have anybody here that can actually remember cars that didn't have keys though you may have seen them uh, I have seen them the earliest cars did not have keys. Do you know why? Who would steal a car? Right? Did horses have keys? 
No, I mean, these were just the way people were. Uh, I can remember certain places, certainly not exactly where I grew up, but certain places you left the front door open because somebody, one of your neighbors, might need to get in and borrow something while you were away. Did anybody grow up like that? You left the keys in the car because you didn't want to get in the car and have forgotten your keys in the bedroom or something and have to make the double trip. You just left them in the car. You didn't have to worry about things like that. How many of you, that sounds like fantasy land. And uh, and yet, let me tell you something. Verse 5 of Genesis chapter 6 does not describe the day in which we live. Will you say amen to that? I mean, not the th- every thought of every man is not evil continually. And by the way, let me just give you a, uh, a simple thought on this. How many of you have heard of Greek mythology? Any Greeks here today? Okay. Uh, I mean, there's so many stories that were there. By the way, the Babylonians had it and the Egyptians had it, and and they're all really related. And let me tell you why. Because many of them were stories, though greatly perverted and and enlarged and uh, added, uh, hyperbole added and all of that, they were stories about real people. And uh, that may be those real people like Zeus and Hercules and uh, the people that they represent may have been the giants that were spoken about in Genesis chapter 6. They were people whom we tell great historical stories. Hercules was a giant, was he not? He was the strength of ten ordinary men. I think that's what the cartoon used to say when I was a kid, Uh, and uh, you read those stories, and they're just absolutely human in origin. This person loved this person, and they couldn't have that person because they were married to another person. Do you think the Greek writers were reading soap operas before they were written? I'm just wondering. Uh, Maybe there is some prophecy there, huh? Uh, But... The simple truth of the matter is there were many people that lived before the flood that were great men in the earth, great women in the earth, and they did greatly wicked things. In fact, to the point, the Bible says that it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. Now, let me ask you a question. Did God know what was going to happen at the beginning of creation? Did he know? How many of you say yes? Hold up your hands. There we go. Yeah, he did. So why do we have God saying, the Bible saying that God repented? Let me tell you what happened here. This is a classic example of where you and I take ourselves and put ourselves in the place of God 
and rewrite our emotions over the Scriptures. God knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew that there was going to be a flood. He knew that there was going to be a great judgment. But God wants you and I to know that He was not pleased with what had happened on earth. In fact, God was using this flood to stem the tide of wickedness in the history of mankind. And God is going to use cataclysmic events many times in the Scripture to stop great wickedness. When we get to Genesis chapter 11 in a couple of weeks, we'll be talking about the Tower of Babel. God used a cataclysmic event, the confounding of all the languages to stem the tide of evil in the history of mankind. God is going to use the events of the book of Revelation to do the same thing and to set up His kingdom here on earth. We're going to see this history over and over again, but I want the key to our Bible study, our story this morning, to be verse 8. Let's read verse 7 and put it in context. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I don't know how many people over the years have said, well, that Bible, that's a hard book. I mean, God killed all these people and He told these people to kill these people and, it, and it's just all about judgment. Well, let me ask you a question. What's God supposed to do with sin? It all started with one sin in the garden. Remember that? And it got so bad here by the time we get to Genesis chapter 6 that God had to put a stop to the progression of sin in this world. Now, did that end all sin? No, one of the first things we have happening after they got off the ark was a horrible thing. Your Bible does not pretend bad things don't happen. How many of you have read creative history writing? That's where somebody writes history the way they want it to be. Uh, by the way, if you've read any history book, you've read a creative writing of history. Because most people are not, and not capable of, most historians are not capable of writing a history without putting a little bit of their own thought and their own ideas on top of the events that really happened. When's the last time you listened to a news commentary without some interpretation added? I mean, nobody just gives you the facts except the Bible. And the commentary that you're going to get in the Bible is God's, so you can trust it. Amen? The world had gotten so evil 
that God said, I've got to slow down, I've got to stop the progression of sin. And he said, as he was looking over the earth, it says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Let me tell you, God is looking, always has been and always will be. God is looking for someone to be gracious to. But God's not going to love sin, my friend. God is not going to help you be a better sinner. But if you want to do right, God is going to be there to help you. Now, the picture, the first picture we have this morning is Noah building an ark. He made it out of gopher wood. You know how that works? Shem, gopher wood. Ham, gopher wood. Japheth, gopher wood. No. Some of you got it. Some of you will catch up. On the way home, you'll be going, gopher Oh, gopher wood, I got it. Okay. It's Sunday morning, but let's... No one knows what variety of wood gopher wood is. But it was apparently a big enough tree that they were able to make an ark. And let's just go down here to verse 13. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and thou shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be three hundred cubits, and the breadth of, the, of it fifty cubits, and the height of it thirty cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shall be set in the side thereof, with the lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee I will establish my covenant. And thou shalt come into the ark, and thy sons, and thy wife, and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female, of fowls after their kind, and of cattle after their kind, and of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee all food that is eaten. And thou shalt gather it to thee, that it be food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah, according to all God commanded him, so did he. Now, how many of you have heard the Bible is a hard book to understand and you have to have trained clergy to interpret it for you? I mean, you've heard that. That's what most religions say. Uh, could I ask you to interpret the passage we just read? You say, Pastor, that's so simple. Well, I think God intended the Bible to be that way. 
You see, it's men that make things complicated, not God. Amen? And it's interesting that as Noah built this boat, this was about 2600 B.C., 2600 years before Christ was born, give or take a few years, depending on whose calendar you use, it was 1888, I believe, when the uh, British built the first Queen Mary, I think it was, was the first ship built by mankind that was bigger than Noah's Ark. Did you get that? From 2,600 years before Christ to 1880-something, it took man that long to build a boat as big as Noah's Ark. And guess what? People have said, there's no way that you could put two of all the animals on Noah's Ark. It's a physical impossibility. Well, somebody that's a little smarter than I went through and did all the math and found out that if you take all of the known species of animals, and by the way, uh, there weren't Great Danes and Chihuahuas and all of those things in those days. There were dogs. Uh, there are many different kinds of breeds of dogs. In fact, they're still working on some uh, strange things here and, and different kinds. But the simple truth of the matter is the average size of an animal would be that of a sheep. That's not too hard to comprehend now, is it? Somebody said inside Noah's Ark, there's equivalent of 522 boxcars of room. Could you imagine a train 522 cars long? And that much cubic feet inside the Ark. Let me tell you, there was plenty of room to do everything that needed to be done. And by the way, how many of you have seen the barges going up and down the river? Do you know that those barges are built exactly to the same ratio of width, height, and depth that Noah's Ark was built? Because a barge is the most stable floating vessel known to mankind. A man actually built a model of the Ark, and he said that the structure of the ark and the shape of the ark could stand almost a 60-degree inversion and not suffer structural damage. Now, I wouldn't want to be on a boat that's all 60-degree inversion. I'll, I'll tell you that. Now, Joseph, you're being a distraction. Now, just sit still, son. So we have Noah building the ark, and God said in the beginning of Genesis chapter 6 that man shall have in 120 years, and so we believe that it took him about 120 years to build the ark. Then came time, we'll go to our second slide, when God said, load the boat. And so they began to put the animals on the boat, and one thing you need to remember before the flood, there was no eating of meat. The only death to the animals that happened was when there was animal sacrifice. 
Now, different people have tried to figure all of this out, and we're not going to take time in the morning, uh, this morning, in our last few minutes here, to try to recoup all of those things. But they've built models of the earth according to the plan of creation, which would have meant that the earth was inside a water canopy. The atmosphere would have been two or three times the normal pressure. The vegetation would have been much more uh, 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 abundant. And uh, they actually tell us that it would have been much more nutritious with the filtering of the sun's rays that the entire earth would have been like a huge terrarium. That's why they find fossils of tropical plant life in Antarctica. Because maybe it used to be that way. Could you imagine the earth with no deserts? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Green vegetation growing everywhere. They took two of each of the animals, of the clean animals. Now God's going to teach man something. He's going to say there are a certain set of animals that are clean. He said, I want you to take these by sevens into the ark. And next week we'll find out what that seventh animal, the odd guy out, was supposed to have happened. And he took the birds of the air, the male and the female, and he filled the ark. And God said, in seven days, I'm going to cause it to rain on the earth. Eight people went into the ark. So we'll take that next slide there. Now, could you imagine, it tells us that Noah was 600 years old. They had been building this ship for 120 years. I wonder if Noah had to get a building permit. No, he didn't. But do you think his neighbors laughed at him and scoffed? says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. His grandfather, Enoch, was a preacher of righteousness. But was anybody listening? Well, Shem was listening. Ham was listening. Japheth was listening. But not very many others were. And if they were, it was only to scoff and to laugh. People have always scoffed at God's Word. But God's Word has always been true. Amen? It would do us well to pay attention to what the Bible says. That's why on Thursday nights we're studying the book of Revelation. Because there's a lot of things in the book of Revelation that God says is going to come to pass. And just like Noah's uh, flood came to pass, and it's interesting here, verse 16, and they went of chapter 7, and they went in, male and female of all flesh, as God commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. The Bible tells us in verse 11, in the 600th year of Noah's life, and we'll go to that next slide, 
In the second month, the seventeenth day of the month, the same day where all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven was op- were opened and the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. Now, I think it was last summer in the city of Seattle we had continuous rain for 40 days in a row. And someone said, see there, Noah's flood couldn't possibly have happened because Seattle wasn't washed off the earth. Well, number one, it was not a continual rain. Number two, there were no windows of heaven opened and there were no fountains of the deep broken up. An interesting uh, guy who is a geological engineer did some research on the breaking of the continents. And he said these fountains of the deep, maybe there there would require water to be underneath the earth's crust. He said, now what if we had all this water trapped under the earth's crust and God opened up the fountain and let this water escape and the entire habitable part of the earth began to sink several feet, what would happen? And he began to do, and you know what he came up with? A mathematical model that pictures almost perfectly the continental divides and shifts that we have today. He said, oh, he just planned his math to make it equal what the Bible said. Well, even so, if he could plan his mathematical model to equal what the Bible said, would that not in itself be an accomplishment? Uh, I doubt there's any of us in, in this room that would attempt such a thing. But everything that had breath died, and it's interesting here that it says, and it gives a, a measurement here in verse 20, Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. Now you say, fifteen cubits, that works out to be about, uh, let's see, fifteen and seven, twenty-two and a half, twenty-three feet deep. Um that is the draft or the amount of water that the ark needs to float in, plus about a foot. Now, how in the world, if this were a made-up story, did someone figure out exactly how much water a boat that was larger than anything that was built until the 1880s, how much water it needed to displace? you ever figure those things out? I mean, these are just little things that are in your Bible that tells us that there was a God that's a little bit smarter than man that figured out a few things. Amen? That's why I believe in God. Not because the Bible's mathematical provable, but it is. I believe in God because look at verse, the two verses I want you to remember. And we'll go to our last slide this morning. Verse, chapter 8 and verse 1. And God remembered Noah 
and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark, and God made a wind pass over the earth, and the waters were assuaged. And the fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained, and the waters returned off the earth continually. And after the end of 150 days, the waters were abated. And we'll pick up there next Sunday morning, but let's go back to Genesis chapter 6. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Genesis chapter 8 and verse 1, And God remembered Noah and every living thing. God is willing and desirous to be gracious to all who are willing to receive his grace. And all God's people said, Amen. And we got about five minutes before the morning service begins. Let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love, your goodness to us. We thank you that you are a gracious God, and even in the midst of your judgment, you are seeking those upon whom you can pour your blessing. Lord, we pray that each one of us here today would be willing to be obedient and receive your blessings. In your name we pray. Amen. Three hundred and thirty. If you from sin are longing to be free, look to the Lamb of God. He to redeem died on Calvary. Look to the Lamb of God. Look to the Lamb of God. Tempts, doubts and fears assail. Look 
turn to 586, 586. Glory to his name, 586. Down at the cross where my Savior died, down where for cleansing from sin I cried, there to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name, glory to his name, glory to his name, there to my heart was the blood applied. Turn to 652, 652. He ransoms me. 652. There's a sweet and blessed story of the Christ who came from glory just to rescue me from sin and misery. He in loving kindness sought me and from sin and shame has brought me. Set him free. I will ever tell the story, 
let's do one more song, 353, 353, saved, saved, amen. If you're saved this morning, you can sing this song with pure confidence, amen. I found a friend who is all to me. Bibles, if you would, and let's go to the book of Ephesians. We always ask the question on Mother's Day, where would you be without your mother? And of course, you know the answer. But uh, on Father's Day, could we not ask the question, where would you be without your father? Uh, I mean, you you do need one of those. And uh, uh, we want to extend a wish for a happy Father's Day to each father that's here present. And we do have a little token. Uh, we do like to give out a little something on both Mother's Day. Mother's Day we gave out roses. And uh, today for the fathers we have something special for you and we'll explain that a little bit later. But uh, it is a little easier in many aspects to preach on being a father than it is to preach on being a mother. Uh, 